what's good? This is Eloquent, and you're listening to my man DJ Radu on the Diamond Soul Experience. W-A-B-L. New rules, new music. Download the app and stream on ablradio.com. BamaLoveSoul.com. Feel free to just tune all this out. It's all good. Yeah. Baby with a big booty. Maybe a cutie with some true beauty. Oh, wait. But it's ugly how she do me. Yeah. Moving along loosely over loosely. What? Losing Lucy to the loot. Like, who could it be? It was supposed to be you and me. Paid do the doozy. Yeah. Are you trying to do it, Bruce Lee? Circa 72 up in the movie. What? Into the dragon with the bluesy. And I ain't mean to be mean, but I mean the mean smooth me. Zook, excuse me. But she needed a new koofy. Cause this movie smacked it off his roof rudely. And I'm just trying to do me. But I'm always mad at the end cause it's baffling when you went out but lose the battles within And I don't have half of the friends that I used to have but then again again We all just travel in the wind Like it's the nice guy tripping with riddance that made the moon divide and the night glisten Expedite the shipping, why try spitting with the guy high-fiving pigeons up in the sky Listen, he tried living within a fictionalized existence And I was fixing a lie in an instance He said it's all good, good It's all good it's all good, 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 that's the shit that's whack to me Laughing and blasting at me Like we was equals yeah. Fake this beat like Jay It's been a minute since we seen you Do still see through yeah. And this is how it feels When them feels don't feed you And distance exceeds your reach too Lost in the now Future lost in the now He was treading waters But we're lost in the now Now He was talking off in a while But he marred him with the styles Of all them is foul With these awful sounds From a father this child I was thought you're flossing Kablau Heartless that heart be wholeheartin' But both stalking with a cold pardons He be postponing his postpartum The birth of a ghost scarred him Like larvae in his groceries Yeah Get in the you don't know me
Cause you're my dad and my mom's brothers I don't spit with a gimmick like half of these suckers I just shine through like memories of last summer Shining like your very last sun up Ashes and dust in the meantime All I can do is flash a peace sign A lone finger to the smoking mirror designs That keep my people an eye from to the divine Now look I never mm, Claim to invent the Super Bowl Just trying to fill my own Something beautiful Build a mutual eye Tell me who were the tribes We shine like mm, Lucy in the sky Now higher than the tree lines Three years straight We keeping my knees high Run this shit Handle the B.I. Hand up in the beehive Peace to the honey dips Speaking of which Gotta tell you about this feline mm, She was shining like this Shining like that Shining like this Shining like that Shining like this Shining like that Go ahead Shine your light Shine your light Like Shining like Shining like You know Yeah uh, The four corners of the room all buzzing She shining like it's noon all of a sudden Shining like your mom when you were on to something Figured in the U.S. Army budget, I'm trying to like, what you want to do? She said, bomb George Duke. I said, I sounded about right. Hey, we out of sight. Woke up in the field of brown rice. Didn't know they had him in Crown Heights. Her thigh for a pillow that night. And then, listening to Bill Arthur with us. Talking it out, puts 90 seconds in a minute. Her pops was an artist. She ain't trying to date musicians. I said, I'm only scared of sharks and commitment. Hit a dead end. Never uttered the word couple. Only took day trips into each other's bubbles. Doing from the start, just some young foolish lovers. Stuffing it up in the rubble, trying to shine through. Thank you. 
BamaLoveSoul.com. This is the Soul Experience. I am DJ Radu. We're grooving out right now to Great Poupon featuring Octavio Santos. This is a track produced by tonight's guest, Eloquent. What's going on, man? Good, I'm good. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. No complaints at all, man. Yeah, man, I'm just, you know, life's good. Just, uh, just trying to keep busy. Well, it seems like you're doing a pretty good job with that, man. I see you do a lot of traveling, doing shows. I'm trying to, trying to. Um, you know, that's, that's basically been grind for the last year and a half or so. So, you know, just trying to, you know, just trying to stay busy, keep myself sane, and, uh, and live a little bit. I understand that. Now, we were listening to Grey Poupon, and one of the things I really enjoy about that track is that you had a live horns on the track with my man Octavio. Do you play any instruments? I I don't have any instruments, like, mastered or anything. I mean, I took... I mean, I used to take piano lessons way, way back in the day when I was a kid. But, but by and large, I mean, I'm... Like when I'm making music, it's very much just like on some trial and error. So, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like re, reteach myself, uh, uh, the piano, um, so I can get a little better with that. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, that is something that I definitely want to like, I want to pick up. So, what equipment do you use to make beat? Very much a lot of the same, same stuff since like day one. Um, I mean, I use um, FL Studio. I, I still use Cool Edit, and then I got a, a few different uh, MIDI controllers. I got an M- an MPD twenty six, and uh, I got a Korg K twenty K twenty five MIDI keyboard, and and then I got the SP four hundred four that I like to I like to use for effects and, and other things. So you mentioned you're using the same equipment you're using from day one when did you begin making beats first beat i ever made i've man that would have been right before the ninth grade so yeah i would have been around like 13 14 or so at the time and so that would have been around 2000 or so so at least that, that was the first time i'd ever made a beat but i've only been I guess, like, serious about my craft since about 7, 08. Okay, so are you saying, like, around 07, 08, that's when you became a quote-unquote professional producer? Uh, I always hate to use the word professional, to say. <laughs> but, um, yeah, around, like, 07, 08, that was, like, around the time when, you know, I was actually, like, putting tracks up like, online, and, yeah, and I was trying to sell beats, and I guess... Around 06, 07 is when quote-unquote eloquent began, you know. <laughs> so did you have any earlier producer names or handles? Not really. I mean, I, uh, I mean, way, way back, even before the beats, I mean, I, you know, I, I used to get my, uh, my internet MCing on. Yeah, I used to, like, post raps on, like, undergroundhiphop.com and stuff. I went through a couple a couple name variations back then. I think one of them was like Twisted Mind or something like that, which like if you know me on any type of a level is like a terrible, terrible name for me. And then yeah, I went through that. I tried using just like my regular name and then I don't know, I came up I came up with Eloquent one day in like high school and just 
Like when I stopped rapping and tried making beats, I just never bothered to change it for whatever reason. So will we hear Eloquent's voice on the track anytime soon? See, I, I, I go through these phases every like, you know, every couple of years where I, I talk myself into believing that, you know, I, I could, that I still got some bars. Then I try to like record myself and anytime I hear my, my voice on tape, I, you know, it just reminds me why I stopped rapping. <laughs> Um, you know, some some people got it, some people don't, and uh, I just don't. So, you know, unless I, I don't know, maybe I can get someone else to rap my stuff for me. I, I, I don't really know, but at this point, I'm inclined to say no. So one of the many, many things on your SoundCloud page that is great to listen to is the mix When I Was a Kid Part 2, which is a mix of 90s hip-hop. The 90s was such a rich time in hip-hop, especially on the production end. Who were some of your favorite producers during that time? I mean, I... And yeah, like the 90s, I'm, I'm, I'm so fortunate that... I was born when I was, and that I, I didn't miss that era. Like, I feel like some of the kids now who are maybe getting into hip-hop, like, it's cool that they can kind of go back and listen to it, but, you know, when I living through it, it's, I don't know, it, it was definitely a beautiful thing. Um, as far as, like, my friends, I mean, back then, I was always huge, huge into DJ Premier. Him and, you know, like, I loved, like, classic RZA, and, um, you know, everybody from, like, Eric Sermon to, like, jeez, I don't even know. It's funny, because, like, I was, you know, I was a big fan of all these records back in the day. And then I, like, found out later on, like, once I started making beats, that, that, uh, that Dilla did a lot of them. So, you know, which was, you know, which is definitely, definitely a cool thing. I noticed that you listed Dilla as a large influence. How did Dilla's music affect your production style, right? I think, um, <clears throat> for me, you know, like I've always been a pretty, <clears throat> I've always been a pretty laid back guy. And most of like my favorite, most of my favorite like songs and albums and whatnot, a lot of it is kind of like more chill out, like jazzier type of stuff. Whereas I think, like, you know, like, everybody remembers, <clears throat> everyone remembers all, like, the heavy, like, boom bap, like, M.O.P., like, put a fist in a wall type of stuff, and, you know, and so I just remember listening to Like Water for Chocolate by Common for the first time, and that album, like, like just changed my life, you know? And, and, you know, and back then, you know, like, producers weren't really as much in the spotlight as they are now. So, like, that was kind of like a record that I always held near and dear to me, and I kind of used it as a foundation of, like, the type of producer I wanted to be. And then I found out later, like, who, like, who did it. So, yeah, I just feel like his style is very... You know, just symbolic of just the, the type of you know, the, the person I am, and just that that sound. It just it just fits me. I mean, there's there's obviously like a number of influences all sort of rolled into one, but but I'd say that that album, among others, was like played a really really big part. P Rock too. Yeah, uh, on your SoundCloud page, I saw that you did a remake of Smooth Sailing. Yeah, that. 
that Pete instrumental album is probably my favorite instrumental album of all time. <laughs> I remember when I first got the Pete instrumental album, I think I played that like every day for like a year. That album is kind of what got the, the MC out of me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean, I was, I was like coming back from school, like practicing my freestyling over like the boss and hypoxy and all, all those crazy jams and and it still it still holds up today man like i don't know when the last time you heard that record was but you know i love it every bit now as i did back then you're from canada and canada is really seeing a lot of producers making their mark recently you got the potato head people the mocha only catronada yep. yep. so what's the, the the music scene like i mean i can really only speak on like where i'm like where i'm at like specifically i mean like canada's a like a super big country but um as far as like around toronto um you know there's definitely a lot of um like there's a lot of talent around here i feel like it's uh I, I wish I wish the scene was a little more developed, like you know, compared to like what's LA, for example. But there's definitely no no shortage of uh, of dope artists out here. Um, up in Montreal, where where Kedra's from, you know it. But I feel like it's really like it was really popping like the last few times I went there, and kind of now it's turned into a dope like who's who and. You know, everybody's coming out of Montreal now. It's dope. I mean, I can't really, I can't really complain. Um, I'm not really that familiar with, with like things out in Vancouver out west. You know, from all accounts, it's it's pretty, it's pretty chill out there too. There's one artist that I, I wasn't familiar with until I saw her name on the Illa J album, and then I, I saw that you've done extensive work with her, including production on her her latest EP, uh, and that's Allie. Yeah. You know, how did you link up with Allie, and can you tell us a little bit about you know you, you guys working relationship? Yeah, I mean, I it was uh, it was interesting. I. Uh, I was putting together um, my my album, one of my albums for How I'm Aware, the Believing One, and you know I was just about I was just about done, like ready to submit it, and I'm just on like my Facebook one day, and I just see a, a music video like shared on on my feed that that a few of my homies had shared and. And it was the the cross your mind one. I, I don't know if you've seen that one, but it uh, it kind of blew me away. And then I found out that that she's from she's from Toronto, and not just that, but she's like good friends with like a lot of like my good friends. And I'm I'm wondering to myself like how how have I never heard of you before? You know, like yo, I'm kind of doing this album, and I'd love to like squeeze you in. <laughs> track you know and she hits me back like yeah yeah that, that's awesome like i'm actually a big fan of yours and you know and, you know yada yada and that and which led to that interference song which came together in like a week which was awesome and um and just from there i mean we've worked together on like i don't know like five other songs and you know she's 
she's someone I have a lot of respect for and and you know she's just a really positive positive vibe she makes music and you know she's just one of the coolest people I've met I see that you do you know, quite a bit of collaborations you've worked with Evil Needle Buddha Monk Moonshine you know several others are there, any, are, there any, are there any other people that you would like to work with that you haven't already I mean there's there's plenty of people I'd you know I'd love to work with one day uh I think my main focus lately is kind of to just keep it keep it within the family for now. But you know, I'd love to. You know, I've been talking about doing a doing a jam with uh, with Dibiase for a while, and you know, I wanna I wanna work with like Ivan Av again on something. And um, I mean, as far as folks who I haven't worked with before. Yeah, I mean, like, DiBiase is definitely one of them. Um, selfishly, I'd love to do a song with, like, knowledge. I don't know if that's going to happen. But, you know, just whoever. It's what, whatever whatever makes sense, I guess. I was listening to Less Is More, and we're definitely going to get into that. And I listened to the cut, Caramel, and I immediately thought of knowledge. Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as the, the song itself, I mean, it's very much... But that and really the whole album was really kind of just a, a throwback to to the kind of the whole like beat tape era, which um, which really is kind of what made me fall in love with instrumental music to begin with. So yeah, it definitely falls into that same sort of that same sort of category, you know, just kind of putting together these, you know, just dusty dusty loops and and so forth yeah and you know like the way that knowledge puts um, some of his records together i mean that's that's definitely something that that i used to do a lot back in the day and wanted to get back into are you familiar with tall black guy yeah man tall black guy's homie love that fool because he's on skype right now and he told me to tell you that he hates you because you're so good <laughs> that, that that's what's up man i um Man, I'm I'm kind of tripping. I haven't like ran into him or met him at some point yet. But I mean, I remember. I think I remember hearing him flip some like Michael Jackson stuff like way back in the day, and I've, I've, we've had this bitter rivalry ever since. <laughs> Tell him I said what up. All right, no doubt, man. Speaking of back in the day, man, I first found out about you in 2009 with your After Midnight project. Not. Just immediately fell in love with what you were doing and I've been a fan ever since thank you thank you so we're going to take a break and we're going to go into the love from after midnight and we're going to come back and we're going to get more into less is more I'm with that alright so stay tuned right here on the Diamond Soul Experience
BevelOSoul.com. This is the Diamond Soul Experience. I am DJ Radu. We're still in the booth of my man, Eloquent. All the way from Canada. <laughs> so you just released your latest in, in a number of albums, Less Is More. Low definition. Can you explain the title? Yeah, man. I mean, Less Is, less is More, uh, like I was saying before, just, uh, you know, kind of just wanted to back, go back to my roots and... You know, back to a time when, you know, like I was, I was doing more, like I was doing sampling, which was something I'd been kind of slowly moving away from on like the last few records. You know, I just wanted to get back into that mode of just flipping samples and, you know, keeping it dusty and raw. And so with less is, less is more title, you know, you know, instead of kind of, Overproducing everything with all like the scents and and you know trying to sit back like like I'm Beethoven or something you know just wanted to keep it keep it simple you know so everything is a little more stripped down a little to the point you know things loop you know just keep just keeping it raw that that's really what what the low definition is all about. Is there a reason you went away from the samples? Was it due to sample clearances or you just wanted to expand your production style? Um, oh no, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I have nothing against sampling. It's, I think at, at one point in my career, you know, I was, like I was flipping a lot of samples and, you know, was doing what I was doing, happy with it. You know, at one point, you know, I just wanted to, to challenge myself to, to, to see if I could put together a project or two where I'm where I'm just sitting down composing it, not like I wanted to see if I could do without relying on on sampling, which which I know that I can do now, and you know, and I've kind of just been mixing it here and there, but you know I, I have a lot of um, or at least I have a handful of, of fans who, who prefer the old stuff, so you know it's just kind of the you know. Looking out for for the MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> you know, music is changing so much, but as much as it's changing, it's also returning to its roots. Live instrumentation is returning, but another thing that's making a comeback are cassette tapes. And yeah. I know that less is more will be released on cassette. Does it have an effect on the way that you, you know mix, master, or produce your tracks? I mean. Theoretically, it shouldn't, but but you know when I uh, like when Urbnet hit me up and about like the the idea of doing a doing a record and, and putting it out on cassette, and I kind of said to myself like you know like, well, great this is the perfect opportunity to do this less is more record. I, I've kind of got this idea, even though it you know it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. I've always had this idea that, you know, like I, I've 
certain releases, I, I, I want to make sure that certain certain records come out on vinyl. I want certain ones to come out on cassette. You know, like some of my, you know, like some of the more like raw or, or grungy records I do. I don't know. It's something about cassettes. It just feels it feels like it fits the part. But ultimately, I, I approached making making beats and mixing them the way that I normally would. Aside from, you know, I I knew beforehand that I wanted to make a dirty record. So you know, it just sort of fit the it fit the ammo of, of cassette tapes to me. Definitely, definitely. You mentioned Urbnet earlier. Uh, now, what made you decide on Urbnet as a label? I mean, it's run by, by a good friend of mine, and you know, and they're based right right out of Toronto, and you know, and they've been, you know, they've been a, a big part of uh, of the, the hip hop community up here for like for years, and you know, it was always it was always a label I respected, and you know, like knowing that like Mocha Only and a few other like Decisive and a few other guys I really look up to are putting out music on here. You know, so like, I was definitely on board with that. But, you know, I'm still, you know, I still put out stuff on, on How and Where and, and and other labels just, I don't know, this one just kind of kind of felt right as far as the plan. Okay, you know, in today's musical climate, it's such a DIY climate. You can put music on Bandcamp yourself and get that money yourself. So why decide to be on a label versus just doing it yourself? Okay, I, I see what you mean. I mean, at least like for me, you know, I I already have a a handful of my discography that I put out myself. But I mean, I, I do I do like working with um with Herbnet in that you know they have. They have, or rather, they offer the the means of, of taking like whatever record I put out with them, you know, to to a level that I, I otherwise wouldn't be able to do, you know. So like they made sure that that Parallel got the got the vinyl treatment as well as green apples and oranges, and that you know you can actually find the record in in certain stores and and so forth. But ultimately, it's just just having a good relationship with with them as far as like promoting the record and so forth that, that's a big thing for me but but ultimately you know I, I could I could put put any record I want to just by myself but you know if it means if it means more more people hear it putting it out one way versus another that's that's ultimately the important thing understood understood so how has the response been to the album um, so far so good you know I th- I think you know like some I feel like most most of the facts been it's been really positive you know there's always gonna be there's always gonna be some folks hitting you with the oh well, I'll, I like this one style of music that you do better you know so you, you can run with everybody but but ultimately I I you know, couldn't expect. I couldn't expect any any better from the response so far. All right. I mean, we definitely enjoyed 
over here, man. So, you know, please don't stop what you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. So, you know, we're getting ready to close things out. I know you just finished. Less is more. I, I know most people keep a lot of things on the cookers all at once. So, are you working on anything else at the moment? I mean, well, I actually sort of taken a little bit of a hiatus um like the less is more record like it came out uh just last week but the, the record itself had been finished for like a, a, a while longer than that so you know in between every record i was like to, to sort of just take take a month or, or so off just to whatever just be lazy and do my own thing before ultimately just coming up with uh a new idea. Ultimately, every record I do, you know, I always want to have like a story to tell or, or a particular concept or an idea. So I might work on a song or two here and there, but, you know, I always want to take my time and think through like what I want to do for the next project. That being said, um, I just started, um, just started getting back to work on on um on a new project i mean it's super super early um so i won't really get into any details for when it'll come out or anything like that but um ultimately i i you know i, I never go too long without releasing something so you know there, there's always some there's always something in the works i like that you like to have a concept for your album it, it helps to make the project you know at least for the listener feel cohesive and i'm sure for you as well absolutely do you have do you have any other advice for producers who are releasing albums i my ultimate advice i always tell i always tell other artists especially if they're putting something out for the first time you know i always tell them that you know there's no you know, there's no rush in that, you know, it's despite everybody kind of wanting to, you know, see their dreams come true and so forth, it, it's really not a competition at the end of the day. So I always tell people to like, take their time with the record and, you know, Nicky only have one chance at a, at a first impression. And, you know, if you... If you approach a record trying to like tell a story, you know, more often than not, it's, you know, it, it'll translate into the music. Like I, I, I don't believe in, I don't believe in just taking any random songs I was working on and then just picking ten and then and then calling it a project. You know, like I like to sit down and think like, well, I'm feeling this way which is gonna affect the direction of the song that i make and so forth but you know that's kind of just a philosophical thing on, on my part though all right so where can people see you next i mean as far as playing live yes. or well right now um we're working on on booking a few things you know like once something is announced it'll be up on my website eloquent.com as well as all my my social media and so forth so you know it's trying to like lock in the schedule for for 2016 so hopefully that means that means traveling somewhere overseas but you know we'll uh, well, we'll see. So, is there a difference from making beats in your studio to making beats live on the spot? I don't know. It's uh, it, it's weird because I mean, I you know when I'm at home, you know, I've got 
all my keyboards and access to all my stuff and you know my nice leather chair and it's it's fun making music that way but let's be honest a lot of my favorite a lot of my favorite beats that i've made have just been you know like i'm sitting in an airport with just my headphones and just my laptop and you know so it, it's kind of um I feel like it's something more just based on like just your mood, you know. I I I don't need the keyboard or the or the MPD or really anything other than my laptop to make music. So yeah, and I think it also depends on the type of song you're making. So yeah, I I, I like both for different reasons. All right. So how can fans get in contact with you? Um, I'm out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Snapchat, etc., etc. It's blah 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 dot com slash eloquent e l a q u e n t. So yeah, I'm yeah my Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, <laughs> all, all all that jazz. All right, uh, where can they pick up Less Is More? Yep, you can get that on iTunes slash Apple Music or possibly, probably even like Spotify. Well, yeah, you can you can get the the cassette tape. Um, that's herbnet.com slash eq. And the uh, less is more vinyl 12 inch is coming soon. So that'll they'll they'll be coming out probably sometime early 2016. Okay, yeah, we definitely need that. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> All right, thank you, thank you so much for that. Now speaking of the album, less is more. I'm gonna let you pick. The last song before you leave us, and and I also want you to tell us a little bit about this track. Hmm, they put me on the spot. Huh? Yeah. Okay, alright, uh, I, I see what you're trying to do. <laughs> I would say, I'd say, Dear Lord. Um, that was personally one of my, I think that was personally one of my favorite ones on there. Um, I just found this this dope uh, this dope gospel sample um, just by accident, and that I feel like that song really epitomized what I wanted to do with the record. Um, you know, instead of taking like my usual approach, you know, just chop it, reflip it, keep it simple, straight to the point. All right, well, thank you so much, Eloquent. You're listening to the Dear Lord from the Less Is More album from Eloquent right here on the Diamond Soul Experience. Thank you, Eloquent, for your time. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. Much love. Same to you.
Soul and Ray Cruz, the Diamond Soul Experience. W-A-B-L. Mr. Telephone Man. Mr. Telephone Man. You every time. Mr. Telephone Man. Mr. Telephone Man. You every time. Mr. Telephone Think it's breakfast in bed, bed and breakfast in Devon, some anniversaries, right? Rose petals on the floor, so they all with you step. Wake up to realize that the dream was a mess. Uh, the type of love that you probably get. Over 20 years since your husband was back. You've been coping more hoping that he returns in a flash. Drive, you stick around like a USB holding and dying. Well, can you see? Can you see? Blind in love, nostalgia's got the mad and such. Cause the feelings that you had are all golden and swollen. Big for nothing, any man approaching my soul. Mystery, mystery, well. Inhale the fumes of living your life, bro. Uh, yeah, what's your reaction to passion? Especially when you had your child off to the fraction. Action, action. I know your pain, yeah. baby. I know your pain. Uh, I hope you control that. I hope you control that. 
hold up. Then get a hold up. Then get a hold up. I don't know your pain. Yeah. Baby, but I know your pain. I hope you control us. Uh. Then get a hold up. Then get a hold up. That. Well, it's different when trying to be a living woman in our society, tired of all the gimmicks. Loving exactly something that's found up in the bushes. Looking for something that pulls nothing. Keeps pushing determinations of wills, concerns of making you feel. You don't know, but as you keep your feelings held to the still, uh. And this is what you do with every single night. And there was a keep you tired, recollected while you cry. And you try to hold back. But these feelings got you so mad. Yeah, you keep it moving like a nomad. Underlying the sign that keeps you yelling for that notepad. Uh, writing down your emotions, contemplating what your focus is. Open system on the track when you're thinking back to your olders. Seeing packs of them soldiers, treating gas like they're homeless. Thinking to yourself, you won't go down because they're bogus. Notice, notice, yeah. notice. I don't know your Baby, we should go get a cold one. One more. 
up, everybody? This is Kamasi Washington. You're listening to DJ Radu on the Diamond Soul Experience.
your boy Illa J. We checking out DJ Radu on the Diamond Soul Experience. Let's go.
Bamalosoul.com. This is the Diamond Soul Experience. I am DJ Radu. We're joined today by guitarist, songwriter, producer, Marcus Machado, man. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Special shout out to George. He, he reached out with Project mm. and it just really touched me, man. You know, I yeah. haven't heard anything you know quite like this wow. in quite some time. So, you know, it's, it's definitely appreciated, you know, and much right. respect to you for, for doing this. Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, thank you guys for having me, you know, like supporting, you know, new music and just, you know, just trying to bring with my whole thing, just trying to bring something new to the game, you know, something fresh and that's not out there right now. And, you know, like my whole style, kind of like just taking all the different influences that I grew up on and just taking a mixture of it into my own thing. You know what I mean? But I really appreciate you guys for taking the time and supporting me, you know, playing the stuff on the radio and, you know, all that stuff. I really um, appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Speaking of influences, mm-hmm. your influences are, are, are really vast. Right. <laughs> all the way from Jimi Hendrix to Jay Diller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy because, like, in our family, like, there's seven of us. So, you know, in our family, like, my father, he was a musician. He played guitar, he played bass. And then my mom, she wasn't a musician, but she was. She could have been, like, an A&R because she could always tell you any song that was on the radio that would be a hit. So, you know, and her record collection was just crazy. So, like, in the house, from my parents' collection, like, on my dad's side was, like, Led Zeppelin, all the Jimi Hendrix, like, really the rock type of, you know, the who, um, everybody. And then on my mom's side was kind of like Miles Davis, Coltrane, uh, Earth, Wind & Fire, George Benson. And then, you know, my brother, it was like, he put me on to like Trox and, you know, BDP and, you know, Pac, Biggie, all that stuff. And then, you know, that's just how it just, all our different generations just kind of was passed through, you know what I mean? So that's where I think where I get all the different influences from because, you know, in our house, it wasn't like one specific genre. You can listen to everything. So, you know. Your album is is such a a, a collage of things. Mm. You you get two strong influences. You you really get the rock and you also get that hip hop feel out of it. Mm. Why do you think the the rock and roll influence and the hip hop influence is so strong? Well, like if you take it back to guys like Prince or uh, Lady Kravitz or whatever, they were really like breaking the barriers. So like they were really rock, but then also too at the same time, they had a little bit of funk and then they had their own thing that what they're doing. It was like rock was very influential in my guitar playing because you had people like Jeff Beck, Steve Ray Vaughan, and the whole guitar guys. But then my generation is really hip hop. So the Dilla, the Sun Village, uh, D'Angelo, that, the Roots, you know, all that vibe. So my combination when it came down to making my music, I wanted to mix both of those genres. And, you know, you have 29, that's what you hear. And just trying to bring the rock side, but then also to bring in the hip hop side of it too. So like, you know, if you're a jazz head, you can you can get into it. If you're a hip hop head, you can get into it. And just, you know, just trying to bring something new. That's all. I grew up as an MTV kid. Right. So, you know, that's, that's pretty much so, rock and roll. So the your MTV raps and uh, what was the rock? Uh, Headbangers. <laughs> Yeah, headbangers ball, yeah, 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 yeah. Holy sure and all that. <laughs> I, I mean, like even before that, I mean before they had like specific shows for specific genres. Right. You know, right, just straight right, up. Right. Like I was there when MTV started. You know what right, I'm saying? Right, right, right. And we right. literally used to sit in front of the television mm-hmm. all day long, just watch MTV. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, once I got older and I started to explore music and its history. 
as far as African American music is concerned, if you want to start with the blues, you had your guitar in rock and roll, you had your guitar in yeah. R and B. You know, pretty much in, in black music until like the late eighties. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know why the guitar disappeared? I don't really. To be honest with you, I really don't know why. I mean, for me, I think the last uh, guitar like person that really brought it to you know to took it to a whole nother level was Stevie Ray Vaughan, and I think like after him. There has not been no like guitar guy to really come out. If it is, everything is very like underground. And you know, I'm I'm talking as far as a guitar player being in the forefront, not a vocalist and a guitar player, but just a straight up guitar player. I don't know. It feels like sometimes our people are a little bit afraid of the guitar. You know what I mean? Because like BB King is was blues, Chuck Berry was blues, and the only guy that really pushed that envelope and took it to a different place was Jimi Hendrix. But it's kind of like at the time when he was doing it, he was like way beyond his time. So people were kind of looking at him crazy. They were like, man, what is this crazy, like white music that's doing whatever? And it wasn't even really that. He was just pushing the envelope and just trying to take it to, uh, you know, to just take it somewhere else. So now if you fast forward and now you come to like this time around, there's really nobody doing that. And, you know, for me, it's like. You know, I grew up on everything, so gospel, R&B, jazz, and so, you know, like, even playing in church, sometimes, like, you know, this crazy guitar plays, but it's like, it's so underground, it's like, if you don't know about it, if somebody tells you about it, then you won't know, and that's kind of, like, the reason why that I really want to push and push that envelope and just try to bring that back to the forefront, because, you know, it's so many crazy musicians out here, I know that I'm not the only person that's doing it, you know, there needs to be more of that, I guess. You know? Well, I don't think you're alone in that sentiment. Mm-hmm. You know, Andre 3000 is learning how right. to play the guitar. Uh, you you right, played right. Jimi Hendrix, of course. Right, right. And also, D'Angelo picked up, the, yeah, picked the, up guitar. the guitar too. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So, you know, hopefully we'll see a renaissance. Right, exactly. Exactly. Because, like I seen, it's, it's the same like when you say like sax or bass, like. The instrument is like you can do so much with it. And, you know, and I think for us as a people, like we brought like we invented rock and roll. We invented blues and all this stuff, too. So it's not, you know, a lot of times we shouldn't be afraid of it. You know, what I mean, we should embrace it a little bit more. But I think that, you know, the more you have music and other people is going to listen to it. And I think, you know, there's kids out there that's doing it. I just want to bring it more back to where that is more to the forefront. And it's not the kind of like skeptical, you know, like, well, I don't know. You know what I mean? And a lot of times, too, like, instruments are very expensive. You know what I mean? So I know in my time, guitar, like a decent guitar, you had to pay, like, $800, $900 to get a really, like, decent guitar. You know what I mean? So a lot of times, too, you know, we don't have the luxury and the money to get that, too, as well. So, but like I said, I mean, me, where I grew up, I would always go to the music store and just play for hours and hours and hours. Just, you know, it's saved up, too, and I saved up enough money to, you know, buy a guitar but i feel that you know between records like um black messiah and um, kendrick lamar that there's a more imitation that's coming back so you know it is coming back and i know that at certain times music goes a little bit out but you know at some point it has to come right back you know so we'll see what happens you know you actually spoke on what i was going to get in because like mm-hmm. yourself you definitely see instrument making a comeback and I'm, right. I'm glad to hear it. It makes the music sound different. Definitely, definitely before. And it's like, that's the whole thing. Like my, my whole ordeal with 29 was kind of like, 
you know, a lot of people were telling me beforehand, like, you should come out with something that's like blues or rock or whatever. And for me, it's like there shouldn't be no specific box or genre because I know a lot of times, a lot of people, like, when it's a bit different or it's something new, they're quick to label you and put you, like, in a box and say, okay, this is one thing, that's one thing. So really with 29, what I really wanted to accomplish was to, like, play all different genres. So that's why each song is a different genre so like electric fire could be kind of like funk blues and then cold black could be like really rock reverse of time is a little bit psychedelic you know experimental and stuff but you know it is it, it's coming back it's coming back and i'm just you know the more music that i put out the more you'll be able to hear you know more of that as well you know i want to go back a little bit for your father played guitar and your mm-hmm. mother she had that ear how did you begin playing the guitar and the other instruments that you play uh for me man i i can honestly say i was you know it's a god it's from god like you know i was born playing the guitar like my mom she always used to say like before i was born they would always play music around me and i always like kick i would always would kick her stomach you know while the music was playing so like and when i came out i picked up the guitar at two years old you know and you know, the guitar was laying around and it was just like from day one like that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, I never really had no, like, nine to five job. It's just been music my whole life. And um, professionally, since nine years old, I've been playing. So, like, from clubs and the whole bit, you know, in bars and all that stuff, too. So I've been doing it since nine. I start picking up the drums and different instrument bass and all that, like, around, like, 10, 11, 10, 11 and stuff but i can honestly say man i've been playing my whole life it has it has not been like i stuck a certain age like i picked it up since two and i've been playing ever since so do you play by ear or can you read music yeah yeah the majority for me the majority of the music i play by ear and you know i'm still getting into the um the reading and you know writing and all that stuff but for me it's more about the feeling of it so you know I mean, it's always good to go back to school and learn and, you know, and, you know, know the whole form of the whole thing. But for me, it's more about a feeling and, you know, playing from the heart. So, you know, anytime that you'll get a chance or you're hearing the music or performance that that's something I want to accomplish is that, you know, you give it your all. You play like, you know, it's the last time that you're going to play. And, you know, and hopefully that, you know, when people hear that, they can get some type of insight from that too as well so you know i'm just trying to get better man like there's no specific like bar for me i'm just each day learning process and you know i practice like three four hours a day and i try to but you know to getting you know a whole lot busier now but you know i'm just trying to get better just like everybody else you know there's no specific like bar like oh i've officially made it or whatever you know (laughs) when i got the album i like what i heard and cool, I began to do my research. Like, okay, who is Marcus Machado? Right. And I realized I've heard okay. on various projects. Wow. I am going to come back to that. But wow, I also okay. found out that this is the first album. No, actually it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was really surprised not. about that. And I know that you mm-hmm. made your first album at a very young age, live at Will's mm-hmm. Pub. Yeah, yep, 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 for sure. And you know what's funny? It's funny that you mentioned that because, um, not to change the subject, next week, I go back to Orlando, the same Will's Pub, to perform at a, a Jimi Hendrix tribute, which this was like around when I was like 15, 16, I believe, uh, when I used to live in Orlando, and um, that's when I did the actual record there, my first. It was it was a live album, and you know, there was nothing to it, there was no label situation, it was just like, you know, I needed to put something out, and um, 
you know, Orlando, very huge scene. Like, you know, they put me in the papers. They voted me, like, the, the best blue guitars in that time. And, um, you know, I just decided to do this album called Live at Will's Pub. And, you know, it was well-received in the South South Florida uh, area. And then, like, around 17, 18, I had another album that I came out with called Better Days Ahead and stuff. But, you know, those were kind of like, you know, learning process, but it still was an album. still was officially, you know, an album. But when you forward to it now, this is kind of like my first official, I guess, growing up album, I guess, you know, because I'm a little bit older now and, you know, and to the public, this, you know, a lot of people may think this is the first album, but it's not. This is actually my third album. <laughs> you know, 2015, Marcus and Chato could go back to 15, 16 year old or 17, 18 year old Marcus. Mm. What would you tell Marcus about creating the album? Mm, I would, good question. I would probably just say, you know, keep your ears open and, you know, just try to explore all different music. You know what I mean? And I think, like, with 29, around that period, I was kind of like, I mean, it was a two year process. So it took me about two years to get it to where it's at now, but the songs were recorded like two, three years ago ahead. But at the time I was living in Europe, I was living in, but um, getting back to your question, I would just would probably say, probably just, yeah, keep your ears open, listen to different styles of music and, you know, just explore, you know, that was the thing. I, between now and 15 year old, you know, I wasn't like mixing or recording. And now like you have computers, you have all these different things. So I think, I would say like learn how to like mix, learn how to get into your you know your guitar effects and you know and explore and go from there. Okay, so I was saying earlier that I have heard you before. I heard mm-hmm. you on Sandra St. Victor's Oya's Daughter album. Okay, wow, wow, cool, cool, yeah, man. <laughs> but it's nice. But you know, taking it back just a little bit, you worked mm-hmm. with the Family Stand. Right, right. How did you link mm-hmm. up with the Family Stand and Sandra St. Victor? Um, man, that was crazy. It was, um, I was about 16 years, I was, no, I take it back, I was about 17, 18 years old, and, um, I was back in New York, and, um, there was a music store at the time called Manny's Music. It's a legendary store, like, Jimi Hendrix used to go in there and buy equipment, a lot of people used to go there. It doesn't exist anymore. So I would go, um, like, every day after school and just play, just play the guitar, whatever, and this particular day, there was a guy working there by the name of um, Peter Panic. He was a uh, another legendary producer. He did um he regrets on Jay Z's first album, uh, Reasonable Doubt, the last song on there, with Manny's. And um he saw me and he goes, Man, he goes, I gotta take you to my studio and you know, who are you? Whatever like that and um so he brought me to the show and you know, you see all the pla- pla- plaques and all that on the walls and stuff and downstairs was V. Jeffrey Smith. He's one of the members of the founding members of the family stand. So took me downstairs. He introduced me to him. And then uh, Jeff said, you know, I got a session for you, whatever. So I started doing a lot of sessions with Jeff. And through that, like maybe like two, three months, he hits me back and he goes, um, man, we're putting a reunion uh, show together uh, with the family stand. Would you like to come out on tour with us? And I said, where? And he goes, uh, London in Amsterdam and I go yeah right he goes get your passport I said nah there's no way that I'm playing with the family stand right now like and I get a passport so I went got my passport and yeah my first gig with the family stand was uh at London Jazz Cafe in London and that was the first time and Sandra she was living 
in Holland. She's been living there for like, I think the past 15, 20 years. And so I didn't actually get a chance to meet Sandra until we went over to London. And ever since from then, it was like a mom and do a mom and son type of thing. So I call that's my second mom, you know? So if it wasn't for Jeff and Sandra, I would probably not be touring in Europe and knowing half of the things that I know now, but Family Stand, I've been with them since like 17, 18 years old. And they've seen me like progress and, you know, they schooled me to the game and hey, those are my mentors and stuff. So, you know, I'm very, you know, grateful and glad to have them, you know, to be a part of my journey and everything like that. And, you know, just schooling me and showing me the ropes of the music business and all that too. So, you know, that's how me playing with the Family Stand came all about. Yeah. And then it came back full circle with Sandra, yeah. Uh, Sandra yeah. providing yeah, focus Sandra. for you. Yeah, man. Right, right. It was crazy because um, even with a little insight with Oya's daughter, like a couple years ago when I was living actually in um, in Holland, in Amsterdam, and, you know, we were right. And she said, yeah, I'm working on this project. And, um, you know, Martha Clive, well, a lot of different people came out and, you know, we were working you're writing those songs for all your daughter where you're now so of course you know she was always nagging me like when is your album coming when is your album coming you got to get it out you got to get it out i said nah i'm working on it and but you know with somebody's magnitude like sandra i'm the type of person like i'm only going to like little music when it's right you know i'm not going to come with no demos like halfway especially like with sandra and them like you got to be right you got to come correct so i brought in you know this track and i said listen uh, you got to jump on it. I think I sent her like three tracks and out of the three was Cold Black. That was the one that she was like, this is the one that I got to write to. And, you know, that's how it came about for sure. You know. I mean, we're going to take a break. We're, we're yeah. going to Cold Black with Sandra cool. St. Victor. We'll come back and we'll talk about the album 29 with Marcus Machado. Don't go anywhere.
DamaLoveSoul.com is the Diamond Soul Experience. You're rocking out with DJ Rod doing Marcus Machado. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The new album, 29, was just released last month. You know, I, I said it before, it's a fantastic album. Thank you so much. Thank you. We, we discussed your hip-hop influence, but there's also mm-hmm. a hip-hop luminary who's on this album, DJ Spinner. Yes, yes, yeah, man. DJ Spinner, you know, the God DJ right there, man. You know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very grateful to have him, you know, to even be a part of it. And, you know, how I met him <clears throat> was, excuse me, was crazy was, you know, I was again in uh, Amsterdam, actually riding him. And um, he was doing like a, like a seminar thing and uh, somebody that knew him they were saying yeah do you know this guy Marcus Machado he's from Brooklyn whatever like that so said he said okay let's meet so you know talking and it just so happened that we have mutual friends and from there like that same night I went to in the same club so you know he hanged out a little bit and he was like man we got a link we got to do something so we always stayed in contact but you know he's all over the place traveling the world stuff like that and uh you know, I told him, I said, man, I got this project and, you know, I'm trying to get this EP and, you know, I'd love to have you. And, you know, we came in and just like, it's, it's crazy. I'm still kind of like in awe too that, you know, he's on the album. You know, very grateful to have him. Good dude, good dude. That's the big brother, for sure. You know, earlier we were speaking about the, the return of instruments to music and you brought up mm. the Black Messiah album. You know, when I listen yeah. to your album, I can hear some of those same influences from the Messiah album. In your project right. and I think it's really good because it's, it's creating this cohesion amongst the right. projects that you know I think everybody made the immediate correlation from Black Messiah to, to Pippa Butterfly and I think yours right, may be right. you know within that same vein thank you, thank and I know you mentioned some of your influences before but there's all P-Funk type feel to right. it yeah for sure you gotta have the funk, and as you do, you gotta have P-Funk, you gotta have a little bit of Bootsy, you know, that one is very uh, important, <laughs> you know, it's very important, you gotta have that in there. I'm a big fan, like Eddie Hazel, like for a lot of people who don't know, Eddie Hazel is like, besides Hendrix, he's one of my favorite guitar players, like another guitar guy that's like underground that people should know more about in the records that he's played on. It's crazy, so you know, in his solo albums, like it's, it's crazy. Eddie Hazel, I would put him right up there with Hendrix and anybody else because I think after Hendrix, he's a person that took it to a whole nother stratosphere when it came to the psychedelic rock guitar stuff. For example, um, for a lot of people that don't know who I'm talking about, just check Maggot Brain off of Funkadelic and you can you can hear the influences and where he's going with it. And you're talking about this track was like recorded, what, 71, 72, something like that. But, um, you know, my thing is just know just in that same vein just trying to bring something new to the table not not necessarily copying because you know one person comes out with this particular sound so you know we'll jump on it and i kind of seen like with back to d'angelo with the black messiah like when it first came out you know a lot of people were feeling it but then also too at the same time a lot of people was like no this is not voodoo you know, because people were such saying like Voodoo was a classic album. Yeah, it's a classic album, but let's not forget that was like 16, 17 years right. old. You know what I mean? And of course, when you have that much time off and you know, you go through life and all that stuff too, your style is going to be different. And I think as a musician, he only got better because he started picking up the guitar. He's playing more. And you can hear that in Black Messiah. He's going somewhere else. I think I would put Black Messiah kind of in the same vein as um, Sly Stone, as there's a riot going on. You, you know what I mean? It's in that same, it's a little dark, but you know, you hear some crazy influences and stuff, so you know, 
it's just being inspired, man, about everything that's that's going on. That's all it is. And just trying to be different. Mm. Well, speaking of different, and also one name that's continuously come up in this conversation is Jimi Hendrix. So, mm. you know, there's also, you know, your track that has that, that Jimmy feel to it. You know, and I'm glad mm. you did that. So I think people really need to be reintroduced to Jimi Hendrix. So I think he kind of falls, Definitely. you know, like, kind of like Eddie Hazel for, for our culture. He falls, you know, between those Definitely. tracks, man. So thank you so much for doing Definitely. it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm glad for you to even, you know, pick up on that. There's a lot of people that, you know, it goes over everybody's heads. And it's like, now Jimmy Hendrix is like this guy that, you know, people think he's cool to wear on your right. t-shirt. But it's, but it's kind of like, um, you know, check him out. And, you know, like for me, when it comes to Hendrix, like I was introduced to him from his last album. So you're talking about like Band of Gypsies, where that was like, that is the original like P, this is before P Funk, and if you go back and if you check Band of Gypsies, it's Jimi Hendrix, Buddy Miles, and Billy Cox. That on the one like heavy like funk, that's like the early ages of hip hop. And then if you go back to like Electric Ladyland and Are You Experienced and Axis Bold as Love, it's so many like he's changed so much, and he only had like four albums and stuff. So right. you no, know, that's my thing. That what I'm trying to do. I think like with 29, this is an introduction. This is more like me coming out and letting people hear like okay this is what i'm doing but the next albums and the next stuff that i come out with it's going to be different not too different to where that people will get it but it's like you know evolving you know what i mean and my thing is just try to come out with it you know just stay true to what you're doing you know as long as you stay true to what you're doing then everything work out you know what i mean Take the whole Jimi Hendrix thing. I was, I was doing my prep, and I'm looking at pictures of you playing guitar. Mm. Your tongue playing guitar with your teeth. <laughs> Man, can you can you walk me through how to do that? Cause I, I would imagine it was. It's yeah, 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 I yeah. I still got all my teeth intact, but you know, <laughs> you know. But I mean that. I mean me being a big fan of Jimi Hendrix, and um, you know, it was just being young and just kind of like just experimenting to see what happens you know and i know one thing like once i'm out there on stage like there's just something that comes over me so whatever ha happens in that very moment so it's not really a gimmick it's not like oh let's do the hendrix thing and let's smash the guitar and all that it's kind of like you know whatever i'm at that moment then that's what it is but you know as far as playing with your teeth i would definitely recommend you know practice that before you decide to go out on dates you know what i mean you may get shocked with the strings you know but um <laughs> you know, but it's kind of like just practice. That's all it was. You know, I, sometimes I do it, sometimes I don't. But it's just a matter of whatever you're feeling in, in that moment. You know, and if you go back to the blues, like even before Hendrix, cats like uh, Tebow, Tebow Walker, um, Buddy Guy, they were like the first guys to even play with your teeth or whatever. Like, I heard stories like they used to play in the Chitlin Circuit. And um, you had to play with your teeth or else they would shoot shoot at you or something crazy like that. You know what I mean? So I guess, you know, just trying to keep the tradition, I guess, going. Well, speaking of old school or iconic institutions, you were recognized by Rolling Stone magazine as a young gun. Yeah. That's quite an accomplishment. Thank you. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm beyond like overwhelmed, you know, even for, you know, a magazine like Rolling Stone to even acknowledge me and also to not only myself I play it you know what I mean because it's not a lot of times that you get that so you know once that once that happened you know everything kind of changed you know and like what you said for before I've been doing this all my life I've been doing this a long time and I think 
with Rolling Stone putting that stamp, it helped a lot. And, you know, it kind of opened up people's eyes a little bit and kind of take notice a little bit more. But, um, you know, I, I just, I'm just very grateful and just thankful, you know, for them even acknowledging me and, you know, and giving me that type of praise, I guess, with the next young guy. Because there's so many great guitar players. And like I said, for me, the only thing I'm trying to do is just bring something new to the game and, you know, just trying to be, stay in my you know what I mean? And just trying to bring something new. But, um, you know, very grateful for them to acknowledge me on that, for sure. So speaking of guitars, in that, in the Rolling Stones article, it speaks about your custom right. guitars. Are these guitars that you create yourself or guitars that someone else has committed specifically for no, you? No, what, what happened was um, I created the, the whole style of it and um, kind of I kind of went through this whole situation when I was in Europe. And um, there was a guy, he came up to me um, after the show. He said, yeah, I build guitars or whatever. And um, I made a joke. I said, I bet you you can't build me my own guitars. And he's like, no, nah, of course I can. And I said, nah, there's no way. But at this time, I was playing left-handed. A lot of people don't know that I play also too backwards. So I play the strings reverse, kind of like the Hendrix style, but I play left-handed backwards. So this time, he built me a guitar. It was a purple guitar with the strings reversed. And um, I said, wow, I said, this is crazy. I said, so I sat with him for like a month and he did the pickups and just kind of build it from scratch. And um, then that's when I started getting the idea to start my own guitar line. So I said, you know, if I build me a, a left-handed guitar, I need to build me a right-handed guitar. And that's how it came about. And at first I was just doing it for myself and just saying, you know what, let me just have a few custom-made guitars and see what happens. And But from now it's like, it's kind of taking a life on its own. And people are kind of like um, very interested in like, how did I have my own guitar line? You know, that's how it is, you know, on the 29 EP, you hear all those guitars on there, so, you know, I'm just trying to use it. I think the more exposure that I'm out there, the more, you know, I'm be able to find distribution, you know, and make it work, you know, make sure the young kids can pick it up and, you know, get it at the stores and stuff, too. Speaking of picking it up at the stores, 29 is a six-track EP. Mm-hmm. When can we expect the long play? You know, okay, long the vinyl, oh, very soon, very soon, probably uh, sometime in the new year. So, you know, I'm not going to say any specific dates yet, but that's definitely um, <laughs> in the works. Um, vinyl, is that's coming very soon, and, you know, on CD, and also to more music. There's a lot of good stuff that's coming, so just be on the lookout for it. Definitely in the new year, you will hear definitely a lot of new music coming away. So, you know, this is just the beginning of it. Stay tuned, stay tuned. Really looking yeah. forward to that. I mentioned earlier, you know, we got mm-hmm. I got D'Angelo picking up the guitar, but we also had cats right, like right. Cody Chestnut, Rick Clark Jr. So you know, hopefully we'll see you know, saying, more cats picking up the guitar and standing in front and controlling right, the crowd. Right, right. With that. For sure, for sure. I think it's coming. I think we're on to something fresh and something new. And it's just, you know, I just kind of remember, you know, recommend people just keep your ears open. You know, even if it's a little bit different, don't shut it down so fast. Just you know, listen to it a couple times. You may like it. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> just may like it. But, nah, man, I'm very, I'm very happy. Um, you know, to hear you know all this new music that's coming out, and you know, I'm just inspired, man. I'm just trying to be in the mix, getting where I fit in. Man. All right. So, where can people pick up 29? Oh man, you can pick it up everywhere online. You can pick it up on iTunes, uh, Google Play, Spotify. It's on. It's out everywhere. You can pick it up anywhere online. And get in contact with you. Oh, uh, to get in contact with me, you can hit me up on Facebook, Marcus Machado, uh, on Twitter. 
um, and plays and P-L-A-Y-Z on Instagram the same and um, yeah just keep keep your eye open for updates because there's a lot of stuff coming so follow me hit me up support keep on supporting appreciate it and how can they support you by picking up one of those custom guitars oh man the custom guitars are still in the works um that's something that i'm kind of working on a few situations right now but um probably in the new year you'll probably definitely see you know it in the few music stores and you know online to where you can pick it up just you know keep your eyes and your ears open for that Thank you so much, Marcus Machado. We're going to get out of here. But before we do, man, you know, like you said, you want people to try new things. Can you give me three albums someone should listen to to really, really understand this guitar renaissance that you're trying to bring? Wow. Uh, three albums off top. Um, pick up, check out Eddie Hazel. Number one is called Guitar Thanks. Eddie <laughs> Hazel, yeah, Eddie Hazel, pick that up. Pick that up. That's one for sure. With a lot of inspiration stuff. Uh, second, um, if you're not too familiar with Jimi Hendrix, pick up Electric Ladyland for sure. That's something that's really like one of my favorite albums, and like you can really get into like if you listen to D'Angelo or even Kendrick, and you hear like the reverse and all the crazy voices, all that. That's in that album. Like he started that whole like sci-fi type of stuff. That's two. And then if I would have to say recent, any recent albums with guitar stuff, I would say check out uh, Prince, Signs of Times. Signs of Times or Rabel too. Okay. That, that, yeah, that would definitely be, be one that you can hear as far as like inf- influential uh, guitar playing and a lot of different um, styles and stuff in it. So those three. Alright, so make sure you go cop those. Make sure you also pick up 29. It's in stores right now. Right now, we're listening to new things. Marcus Machado featuring DJ Spinner. Also, Marcus Machado on vocals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying. <laughs> well, thank you once again, man. I appreciate you, man. We will support you, brother. Thank you, man. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Appreciate it.
Black Guy signing in, and you are listening to the Diamond Soul Experience with DJ Radu. Peace.
and stream on ablradio.com. It's real music for your soul. For your soul, the diamond soul experience. Bamalovesoul.com. <laughs> 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 <laughs>